Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, we are going to kind of do a pre-All-Star... Just a check-in. What do you call it? A check-in? Just a check-in. We're checking in. We're going to do a segment called Things We've Learned. Things We've Learned. The things we've learned about this team so far this year. And we're going to look at Spencer Dinwiddie's salary and what the Nets could get using Spencer Dinwiddie's salary. So we're going to trade Spencer Dinwiddie directly on this pod. Hey. Uh Uh-oh. Welcome back to the Glue Guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Mm. Che- mm. Check us out on Twitter at BKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind that paywall. TheAthletic.com slash GlueGuys. Brian? Have you noticed there's a sort of a nice little sweet spot when you have just that first beer and a half? Just the the, the, the golden baritone of the voice. Just That's <laughs> that's where... I mean, well, this is a, a rare nighttime pod, Mike. So we're, we're, we dipped into the... To, the folks liquor cabinet yeah i'm i now remember why i don't do nighttime pods because because those are your drinking hours <laughs> <laughs> i had a single ipa an eight percent alcohol content that's a bit that's a lot and a pot roast tonight brian oh boy and i am you're, you're barely you're barely awake it's okay i'll carry the load i have i am ready to go i'm fired up i've had <laughs> oh no oh no i now i'm feeling panicky i, I don't have what it takes mike might come back <laughs> yeah oh okay. welcome back to the glue guys yeah um good intro nice fun yeah so we do have a, a super fun show so we don't want to take this time as we take a pause in our season for the nba all-star break and team duran has been picked kyrie irving everyone can breathe easily kyrie irving is on team Durant uh this year but there's a couple of big things to get to before we do this super fun segment that i like to call things we've learned uh, which is there's two items I'm going to talk about, and I and I think they're within things that we've learned. There's going to be some of this discussion too. Do you want to start with Nick Claxton or Spencer Dinwiddie? Because I think both are worthy to talk about in this moment. They are the buzziest things about. This yeah, um, let's go. I mean, I've, I get the feeling that the Nick Claxton is just going to be net positive overall, <laughs> and I don't know that that's true of the Spencer talk. So you, let's go positive. Let's. I can okay. use that. Yeah. Um. Spencer or Nick Laxton is uh, his debut this season is reverberating throughout yeah. the rest of the NBA. Brand. What's with the octopus me like the octopus emojis? I noticed well, you did that. Um, I and Eagle said it on the broadcast and it felt right. You know, there's he's very octopusy. Ah, uh, nice. Anyways, thank you. Um, but yeah, no, it's 
What animal do you think Nick Claxton? Killer comparison animals. Nets team. Go. Nick Claxton is what animal? I'm getting. I'm getting more like deer. I mean, deer, people you know use the gazelle kind of talk a lot, but like I've I've kind of compared him back in a in a previous version of Nick Claxton. I've I've kind of compared him to like a sort of a fawn. You know, he's like still he was still knobby need a little bit. Um, he's grown up though. He's no he's he's you know he's not a, a six pointer buck quite yet. Six points is that good? You want eight? how many points yeah, is good? That's a good buck. That's a good. Buck. That's a real buck right there. <laughs> you take that buck down. I watch Yellowstone. Yeah. so <laughs> I'm in on that that lifestyle. Yeah. Did we talk about my favorite part of Yellowstone? No. The oh, only this is great. The I only part that I that I watched that I really liked was I popped in and my my wife was watching it and I saw a sixty something year old Kevin Costner, not a stunt double, the real deal, just pop over like a, a shoulder high uh, cow pen fence. Just popped right over it. I was stunned. <laughs> I think we did talk about yeah. this, and it is I amazing. It I think we talked about it off air, and to re- recreate our conversation, I compared it to Robert De Niro stomping out someone's face right. on a sidewalk street in, in The, the Irishman. Irishman, which is the opposite of Costner, <laughs> because that was the saddest example of, yeah. like... The way when, you, you said it was like an old man putting on a slipper, which was a, a lasting memory. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so... Nick Claxton is okay. I, what I kind of want to get out of you, Brian, what I want to understand okay. from your brain. Yeah. Is this real? Is it real? Man. Can we trust what we're seeing? Because what we're seeing is a super switchy athletic, you know, obviously he does have an, a, a semi sort of uh, advanced offensive game. Like, you know, a lot of people just think of him. Most centers, when they come to the league, all they do is screen and dunk. He was a guy who actually dis- dished out assists at the University of Georgia. So he does have that. I'm not saying he's like he's not like uh Dirk Nowitzki or anything. I don't I don't know what the best comparison would be. He's not that, but he's got more to him than just uh average dunking the ball skills. Is it real what we're seeing because it's exciting what I'm seeing. Yeah, and I don't want to veer off course immediately, but uh, but I'm going to. Um <laughs> which is that there's a there's another version of this simultaneously that I'm also watching out for, which is the Bruce Brown hitting like seventy percent of his um you know finishes from from point blank amongst the trees. Um and is it is it for real? Is all that stuff for real? Because these are the two role players who sort of emerged from where where they from the ether, you know, wherever beautiful role players you know emerge from. And from uh Wanda's hex. In WandaVision, in in I don't know if you're, you're I don't, but I get I think I know what it means. Yeah, it's yeah. like a portal, like a like it comes through a portal, mm, like, no, like a witch portal. That's no through the witch she's, hole comes out the witch hole. Invented a town right. within her head. Oh oh oh, Westview, New Jersey. Come on. I did read House of M, so I know I'm not totally. Oh, look at you. I, I know. I hit the I hit you. the books, Mike. I hit the books. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and I and I go back and forth, and it's like. You know, at what point is the sample size enough on Bruce Brown to be like, this is an elite finisher, a unlikely but elite finisher, who also, although the shots are contorted and quadruple clutching for no reason, um, they go in at a very high rate. Am I going to look at that? I mean, so that's going on, meanwhile. And then Nick Claxton is like hitting these, you know, sort of pirouetting hooks and things like that at a improbably high rate for what those appear to be. It's like at the eye test. What I'm saying is they're not. (laughs) <laughs> necessarily passing the eye test for me. So I have a hard time believing in their longevity just because I, I really do trust those eyeballs that I got these special, special eyes. Have we if talked I about my to, eyes? <laughs> if, if this, if this is minority report where we have to be implanted yeah. new eyeballs, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I the the eyeballs that I would trust the most are the ones that believe in Bruce Brown. Because I do think like there's a unique thing happening with him where his close to the back at, uh, basket buckets are off of him being completely wide open because the defense is sucked into Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and you know previously obviously Kevin Durant, who I think he's a, still a member of the Brooklyn Nets. Like so, like he's getting these close to the back basket buckets because he's wide open. The defenders are switching off of him. Can I also say that sometimes they're a little bit deceptively difficult too because he's got these like kind of. I mean, he'll hit like a baseline baby hook that's like, you know, kind of contested from seven or eight feet away. Maybe not that far, but like, yeah, six or seven feet. And that's not a shot anyone recommends anybody takes for the most part. Like, you know, basically like a half, like half a boarded layup at, at without a backboard. It's tough. That's not as easy as it sounds. Um, did that sound easy? I don't know. Yeah, no, but, anyway, no, but-, <laughs> but anyways, the, the, the thing is like the, the Nick Claxton thing. And I agree with you. I feel like is even less fluid. Like Bruce Brown's, I mean, he he adds fluidity by with every clutch. It's like uh, with every clutch, you're adding a sort of layer of um, authenticity of of um, authority, even maybe uh, on your <laughs> on your layup. <laughs> Do you know that? Yeah. Um, but then, uh, <laughs> but so that's the problem. Nick Claxton is not cl- double clutching enough by by a wide margin. Right. And so I think the thing that I like the best about Nick Claxton is just the simple fact that, you know, so like DeAndre is not as athletic as, of course, he was. And DeAndre, what's interesting about him is like he was never like super switchy center dude. He was always I can jump super high and block your shot. Like he wasn't just like a guy who could like switch on to anyone and had this freakish athleticism in that way. And obviously Jeff Green, Jeff Green's not really a vertical threat. He's just sort of like a body position. Like when he plays center, that's what he does. What's been exciting about Nick Claxton is we're getting those. He's not like Jared Allen, but the, we're getting a little Jared Allen-y vibes where it's, it is vertical, but it's, it's quick. It's side to side. It's, I can switch onto a guard for half a second, right? I'm not saying he's like, you know, he's not going to stop Chris Paul or, whatever point card you want to name, but he does do something um, that is impressive when he switches onto a guard. So I think there's just, I like both. I love Bruce Brown. We've loved Bruce Brown forever. I mean, Brown has been Brownsville. The, the love, Shout out Brownsville. The love is, is no question. That's, that's there for both of them. It's, it's whether or not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's whether it's or not like it's going to say to your yeah. kid, it's like, I will love you no matter what you do, yeah. whether you're a failure in business or a success. I will love you for whatever you do. Bruce Brown and Nick Claxton, we we will embrace you. Yeah. Um, who do we believe is the better child who will get into it's Bruce. Harvard? It's Bruce. It's Bruce. <laughs> Nick Claxton's a thing, though. <laughs> yeah, it's no, a, it's, it's a thing. It's a thing. I don't, we're not we're not trying to we're just this is these are the memes. Um, Here, yeah, the, yeah. Here's the, the reason why is because he is so athletic, like. You know, what if he plays 15 minutes? I mean, he's not the Embiid stopper, but he is the guy who, when he's playing against backup bigs, it just makes it a little bit harder for the other team to score a bucket. Yeah. And that's all they need. No, he, he's like a very real, um, I mean, it's, it's I'm trying to, what's the, what's, what's the word that's not quite replacement, but he's like, it's like, um, I mean, he's not replacing what Jared Allen does yet. Cause that just takes a lot of reps that, that aren't, that isn't there, but he's definitely got whatever that seed of. Uh, defensive intangibility intuition is um and he also knows enough to not like shoot 
from anywhere other than just like point blank, which he's only done <laughs> three times um, over, you know, in, in 30 shots, or whatever that he's had this season. Looking at his shot chart, it is, he, he knows what he's about. He knows where his bread is buttered. Like, and that's, that's from point blank, which is exactly what Jared Allen knew and all good young centers who are playing the vertical game ultimately figure out. All right. So let's do this. Let's yeah. hop over. Cause I'm going to talk a little bit more about Nick's Nick Claxton. Oh. Oh, okay. So we've gotten reports that Spencer Dinwiddie, the Nets are shopping Spencer Dinwiddie, or they're, they're listening to offers about Spencer Dinwiddie. And maybe you'd ask, why would other teams want Spencer? We don't believe he'll be back this season. He may. His Instagram feed would suggest that he's on the road to recovery in a pretty strong way, but you can kind of uh, mess around with that, and you don't. we don't really know how good he is. But... You, why would a team want a guy who would be coming off an injury who's likely to opt out of his contract? The reason you do that is because that team would be getting Dinwiddie's bird rights, and then they could offer him, I think, like a five-year deal at pretty much whatever amount they want, and it's basically getting a free free agent within your cap. I mean, that's what bird rights do. Um, before we even get to like, would well, let me ask you this first. Let's say the chances of Spencer Dinwiddie coming back at the end of this season for the playoffs is 5%. Okay. Would you rather have that 5% chance of Spencer Dinwiddie or like here are the guys and I'll, I, we'll go through the list of whether you want them or not, but like JJ Redick, Larry Nance, George Hill, Josh Richardson, Lonzo Ball, like that mix. There's a lot of different variation in that. Would you rather have the 5% chance of Spencer Dinwiddie or one of those guys basically? Well, where I go with this question is sort of like what what's a little bit a kind of a baity conversation that's been going on online <clears throat> that I think you had a very nice response to. A Warren to. Beatty conversation. A Warren Beatty. It's about um, the <laughs> Dick Tracy movie from the 1990s. It's it's, still, I had it's a raging. Dick Tracy watch. Yeah. That was a pretty yeah, sweet, heck of a watch. Sweet deal. Yeah. Um, pretty sweet deal. Um, the bait, the baby conversation, uh, is more, <laughs> baby con- what, what a terrible <laughs> podcast, the baby conversation, yeah, yeah. Just, a, only conversation just long form baby. reviews of, of, uh, gosh, what's, I was trying to come up with the name of the one where he, he's running for president or whatever, or some politician. What is that? Oh, one? wag the dog. Is no, that no, the movie? No, it wasn't that. No, we'll come on. Somebody will, somebody will chirp it. Bushwhacker. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's the one where there's like a conspiracy that. Is that the people word? are people are just like shut. This is this is yeah. just looking for the name of a movie is that's frustrating. <laughs> um, anyways, it'll come to us. But so the the Twitter conversation though is this like really <laughs> the baby obnoxious. Yes. The beta conversation is this terrible, the, which you did a very good job of responding to. And this was like a Nick Wright tweet. But this is something that's been going on for like the last you know since the off season, which is like, sure. what are you guys here? Trump card boys, what are you gonna do about Joel Embiid? <laughs> Losers, game over chump um so and there's a lot of like responses to that you could go with i, I think it's a lame framing of an argument just because it, it assumes like that Embiid is this nuclear but anyways that they haven't been beaten in the playoffs with joel Embiid and many other iterations but i also think about like okay so what is in their version of this which is like a, a one-on-one boxing match which basketball can be but is often not um like who's the player that like just um, completely X's out Joel Embiid. Like, what's what are the what is the list there? Is it just like Rudy Gobert and who else? Like, what 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 are the like big post defensive names that just like are like oh that's the Joel Embiid stopper? I think like it's 
there's no such thing as a jewel. There really is no such thing as a jewel. This, Even is, this is my Gobert, point. That's that's basically what I'm trying right? to say. I mean, the there. whole thing, like yeah. the reason why Nick Wright tweeted that was because Gobert, I mean, Embiid went off for 40 and 20 against Gobert, right? And like, so in the, in the 76ers won and everyone's like so excited about them and how great they are and amazing, amazing, amazing. Yeah, there's no such thing as Embiid's up. And that's why I kind of think like this whole conversation about Andre Drummond I want Andre Drummond on the Nets. He would be great on the Nets. Like, just if you can get him for 14 minutes a game. But I remember people obsess. Every year we obsess over, like, who's the big that would be bought out and go to a contender. And when they end up on that contender, they play, like, 12 minutes a game. And typically in the crunch time, they're never out there on the floor. The Nets are a little bit more unique just because there's such a lack of, like, DeAndre's been better, but there's still such a lack of center. It... Yeah, I, and, I agree with you, though. The Embiid stuff. And then, like, Nick Claxton is, like, sort of our, you know, it's the current short, short-term short solution for that, you know, question right now. Like, yeah, it's just Nick Claxton. He'll just be great, and we'll figure it out, and then, you know, that's that. Um, so, anyways, the whole point of that uh, diversion there is really to be like, so if you're trading Spencer Dinwiddie, like, who who are you targeting? And it seems like in that list there, you know, J.J. Redick with the shooting is part of it. And, you know, I get that. Um you know, people like like Shamit when he's having an off night or your boy Tyler Johnson, you know, those they haven't been like, you know, permanent solutions. I don't think in anyone's mind they've had good nights and, and bad nights. Um, but again, like, I don't know, I I can't help but think that like that 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 playmaking shooting would not maybe be best served with your boy Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't know. I don't know that you're trading up in a lot of these instances. And I think like, while our window is pretty small for like championship winning, I think like any like championship window is, I don't know. There's something about the longevity of Spencer. He's got a very affordable contract. Like I, for one, on on more than just an emotional level. And I think I am kind of clouded by emotions on this one player, just because I I feel just a weirdly strong connection to Spencer Dinwiddie at this point, I guess Um, I'd be pretty bummed to see him get traded for, like a, you know, supplementary shooter, utility player. Like that doesn't feel like the destiny that he deserves at this point. Yeah. I think that's your, that is your issue because yeah. like the 5% chance of Spencer Dinwiddie is worse than having George Hill. Like George Hill is the, like you would have George Hill. He would play basketball for you. I say yeah. 5%, 5%, but like you more than anyone in the world have been tied to spe- you. You have always believed in Dinwiddie. You believed in his talent. You you believe that he would continue to evolve into a better and better player, and he has. And I feel I feel connected to him also because of the show too. I just feel like there's a yeah. shit like we 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 were there for each other at the ground. We floor. had him early on. Yeah, and when he, we, we were, were both there, we were both we were, we were all we were all babies together. And 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 we talked about Dragon Ball Z, and yeah, it, was, it, it was a perfect. It was very cringe. I'm sure it was incredibly cringe, but you know, we uh, did it. He told us to buy Bitcoin. We didn't listen, and now we have no money. Yeah, you know, we would be millionaires if we listened to him. Dumb um, idiots. I it would feel weird that the Nets simply just trade away Spencer Dinwiddie, so like another team could sign him to because he's going to decline his options. Sham Sharani and the Athletic reported that Dinwiddie's expected to decline his option. I work with I don't really work with Shams. We're in the same company. I don't really work with him. D- Dinwiddie and Shams, like I, I guarantee Dinwiddie texts Sham Sharania. Like I gar- that knowing who Spencer Dinwiddie is, he's not the type of guy who like lets would let his agent have those conversations. Spencer Dinwiddie's texting Sham Sharania and saying, "I'm probably gonna opt out." Yeah, this, this is just a guess. This is just a guess. This isn't like mm. I. Please trust me. I do not talk to Shams. Who do you? Who are you anyways. talking to? I talked to Shams. Shams told me. <laughs> uh, anyways, but 
it would feel weird emotionally. Mm-hmm. I'll give you that. That didn't we betray it? Can I be the cold, calculating capitalist that uh, I am? Fine. The NBA you have capitalist. Be. The Nets are going to trade Spencer Dinwiddie. That is the thing that they can do. I, I think Brian Woodhorse said this on one of his pods that the Nets are hunting for bigger fish in the trade market. I don't know what level of fish he was talking about for that he would like they would want a bigger fish. Uh Spencer Dinwiddie's contract is about like eleven and a half million dollars. That's a nice chunk to throw into a trade. And if you put in, you know, like Tyler Johnson and a couple of the end of the bench guys, you get up to 15, 16 million. That's a decent player. And for another team, why why would you want Spencer Dinwiddie? Well, he's either an expiring contract, so you can trade him to a team that has like a guy who's on three years left on his deal or something that you just want to get rid of. Or you like Spencer Dinwiddie and you believe, okay, he'll opt out, but we'll do bird rights. We'll get him on a good deal. And that's fine. Ugh. I hate that you're here, right. And it's, it just sucks, but you're right. I mean, I hate it, but you know, that's fine. Well, here are the names. So this is kind of disappointing, but I, I would urge everyone to take the same exercise that we're mm. going to take. <clears throat> okay. Just go to Hoops Hype, go to player salaries, find Spencer Dinwiddie, which could be Command F if you have a Mac or, or is a Control F. I forget which one it is. Let's see. Command F is search. Look up Spencer Dinwiddie and then see everyone who's below him, essentially, right? Who's below him in the salary list. And you will see everyone the Nets could hypothetically or practically trade for in the NBA. Now, there's guys on that list, of course, that they would never. Anthony Edwards. The Wolves aren't getting up Anthony Edwards. Jason Tatum, technically, I guess, uh, who's making less money than Spencer Dinwiddie. But for our practices, I pulled those five names that I mentioned before. Lonzo Ball, Josh Richardson, George Hill, Larry Nance, and J.J. Redick. Those, to me, fit into a certain... Uh, probability, and I'll say why. Lonzo's name has been out in trade rumors like crazy. Josh Richardson, not that his name had been in trade rumors, but Dinwiddie's has been linked to Dallas before. He was linked in the offseason, and I would imagine they may still be interested right now. George Hill is on Oklahoma City Thunder. You could probably have anyone you want on the Thunder besides you know, Lou Dort and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Larry Nance, my guy. Larry Nance is hurt, but uh, strong forward for Cleveland, but Cleveland's completing for a playoff spot. And J.J. Redick, who was like basically completely out of the Pelicans lineup, but is now back in and actually playing minutes with uh, with Zion. <clears throat> I, I watched a – this is a – can I quickly just – Yeah, please. Completely derail us. Is that going to be a problem for you? No, yeah, no, real, <laughs> real. I watched, I watched a YouTube uh, video of of JJ Redick doing a tour of his like super dank apartment in um, Dumbo, <clears throat> and he's like obviously one of these guys who like really does know the stuff. Like, he has like he knows the architect who did the trim on the whatever. You know, he's like into it. You can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a great part where he goes through this hallway, and he's like, and if you look to your left. These are my wife's Salvador Dali paintings, which you could. T- he's like, you, you, could t- <laughs> you, can, you can tell. What is that? He's, he thinks Salvador Dali sucks. You can tell. Jesus. <laughs> hey, you know, he does. Salvador Dali sucks. I don't um, know. What do I know? But <laughs> can I just say this? I know everyone wants JJ Reddick because he does live in Brooklyn, and we all know that fact. And he has a super fun podcast. He makes no sense for the Nets besides the fact. That it would be good content for the Nets to have a podcaster of JJ's. Well, we we don't want him around. Not you yeah, know, be, <laughs> get off our corner. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
he makes no sense. The Nets don't need. So he's he's shooting thirty six percent from three this year. I I guarantee that would go up if he played for the Brooklyn Nets. They don't need another shooter. Do not. Don't need another shooter. They have the greatest shooting four of all time in Harden, Kyrie, KD, and Joe Harris. J.J. Redick doesn't fit in. I mean, Landry Shamit is basically as good as J.J. Redick is at this point. And I would actually say Landry Shamit is, a. I mean, by the fact of being a way better defender, we don't need J.J. Redick. J.J. Redick feels like, like, I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like this, like, momentum of impracticality that continues to roll down the hill, a snowball that gets bigger and bigger only because he has this podcast mm. and he has this apartment <clears throat> in Brooklyn. That's that's it. Start a podcast, people. That's that's all I got to say. JJ, yeah. let me talk to JJ for a second. JJ, if you wanted to play for the Nets, you should have signed with the Nets when you did before you signed with them with the Pelicans. Okay, you could have played for the Nets. The Nets had the cap space then. I think they had the interest. And yet you wanted to go to New Orleans and eat beignets. Mm. You could have been in Brooklyn eating some cheesecake. Yeah. Some Junior's cheesecake. Got to tell you, I take this. Take this. Take those beignets. Those are good. Big Nets. Beignets actually would be a good Nets podcast because you could because it's spelled N E T S at the oh, end. Oh wow! Beignets. beignets. There's if there's any there. Louisiana based <laughs> Nets, Nets podcast, yeah. well, we do have like a UK best. Uh, there's the Scottish Nets yeah. fan. It's getting out there. The, the, the UK Nets pod. What do you think about uh, the po' boy? You like those po' boys? Like a fried oyster? The fried oysters are pretty intense. What do you think of that me, fried it's, oyster? It's a sub. I don't know, <laughs> like, what do we, I know there's like a whole background to calling it a po' boy. It's a it's sub a with something it's different on it. Yeah. What are we talking about? You got a baguette here. It's We're fine. Doesn't care. We put some calamari on there whatever. Who cares? Still a hero. A you got a hero on your hands. Are you a hero guy? Is that what you call it? No. I mean, only with the, only when there's meatballs involved. Is there, do you think there is a Tyler hero at this point? There's do got, you think Tyler has, has, has gotten a hero? There's got to be some Cuban restaurant cuban sandwich restaurant that's like you know also got the the hero what was the sub shop that wasn't subway that toasted their subs back in the day Qu- quiznos quiznos was legitimately delicious and then at some point than subway. at some point they like lost the plot but uh it was like a spectacular for like the first year of quiznos existence there's a really good um youtube channel and again we're totally <laughs> all but called company man yeah, called Company Man, who talks about like the rise and fall of companies. He's got a really good one at Quiznos. I can't remember what happened, but um, they they obviously didn't do great after a while. Uh, of that list, I said Lonzo Ball, Josh Richardson, George Hill, Larry Nance, and JJ Redick. Larry Nance all day, every day. He can play three four. I would, you know, he sh- he's been shooting thirty eight percent from three this year. He cannot hit you free this, throws at you all. You and this Larry Nance thing, and you're gonna you're gonna banish <laughs> Nick Claxton back to the bench because you're you're chasing this Larry Nance dragon. What is this? I'm just saying, I could. You see the lineups of Harden, Kyrie, Durant, Joe Harris, and Larry Nance at the five in for Jeff Green. Larry Nance offers Mike, a little bit more room protection. Answer me this, yes, sir. Is he a Joel Embiid stopper? Does he stop Joel Embiid? Does he stop? Who's stopping Joel Embiid? You think Larry Nance is stopping Joel Embiid, Mike? Okay, I'll do that. So we we talked. You referenced the tweet of which I responded to Nick Wright. But so Nick Wright did the whole like, I'm still taking the Sixers. How are the Nets going to stop? Not that Nick Wright talks like this. How are they going to stop? Uh, yeah, Joel Embiid. Yeah, he's like big man. Joel Embiid. Yeah, and Nick Wright is Nick and, Wright here. 
<laughs> and and in my take on it all, and I will maintain this, and this is based in basketball fact, mm-hmm. Joel Embiid can average 40 and 20, but yet the rest of the Sixers would still have to score 85 points. 86 points beat the Nets because the Nets are going to score 125 a game on your 76ers. So you're then asking Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons to score 40 between them, 20 per night, and then getting down to to Seth Curry and Danny Green and Tyrese Maxey. Like, as you keep going down the numbers, it just feels more and more like all the Nets need to do is play really good defense on Seth Curry to limit, uh, you know, Tobias Harris from playing well. And just don't let Ben Simmons, like, just don't let him suddenly take over in a really strange way that's never happened in his career. That's mm. all they have to do. Um, yeah. Um, but that's the whole thing. Do you think that's Brooke Lopez is a Joel Embiid stopper? I think he would be enough of a, of a Joel Embiid stopper. I, I mean, I'm, I just, want, I'm just thinking crazy over here. Robin Lopez is the kind of guy that I would love the Nets to get, and I would love to get him, but I, the Wizards have made a surprisingly interesting turn towards like maybe kind of threatening for the playoffs. But Robin Lopez is the archetype that we want. Big, hairy, aggressive, sharp elbows, and a little hefty. It's got some weight to him. And he would lean heavily on Joel Embiid for 16 minutes a game. That'd be worth it. And that's all you really need to need to do. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Coming back, we're going to do everything I learned about the Nets so far this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back, Brian. This is a fun segment. Um, everything I learned about the Brooklyn Nets so far this year. This is essentially, you know, maybe sort of newly discovered items about the team, players on the team, the way they play. And what's fun about this year is that there is so much to learn about the Nets. I mean, you have Durant back from injury, now injured again, Harden trade, Steve Nash's coach. There's all these new cast of characters, Bruce Brown, Nick Claxton getting some run now, Landry Shaman. We're learning things. This is a different team than years past. Um, I'll start off. Something I learned. We've talked about this before. James Harden can play normal basketball. Okay, and I dug into the numbers a bit, Bry guy, and I was expecting to see like a sort of dramatic change from his last year in Houston to this year in terms of touches. So what I looked at was like touches and dribbling and passing and time of possession because you can break it down time of possession per a player. I was expecting to see like dramatic numbers that I would be dying to share with everyone here on this podcast. Um, That was not the case. There are, though, some clear numbers that are different. And there's one big one that I'll bring up. But Harden's touches per game and time of possession are actually up a little bit from his time in Houston. Uh, He's dribbling the ball slightly less per a touch. He's dribbling the ball one dribble less per a touch than last year. 
but he's passing a lot more. In Houston, he had about 50 passes a game. In Brooklyn, he's having about 70 passes a game. And that all translates into what we're seeing. The old eye test, as you said. The minority report, shove these new eyeballs into my eye. Let me walk around with a rope and dive into a, an ice-cold bath minority report eye test. Uh, he's passing the ball 20 times more per a game. That in that I see that on the floor. I see him get into sets, move the ball, get the ball back, move it again, and then get it back, and then he shoots. You know, it's like there's there's a lot more of that as opposed to the I dribble, I dribble, I dribble, I stare at the rim, and then I go. You know, it's been fun too. Yeah. Oh God, I wish I had the stat in front of me, but it's something like forty percent of his passes or his assists are going to um, Joe Harris. Like just the the Joe Harris and him connection. <laughs> is very extremely real. That's a fun thing. I like that. Um, the Joe Harris, if I, I didn't write this down, the thing I learned about Joe Harris is uh, an all-time shooter. Just just deserves deserves recognition for being an all-time shooter. He will go down as one of the greatest shooters in NBA history. There's no question in my mind. His evolution, because he's going to win eight championships with these Nets teams, and he's going to go down as one of the greatest shooters of, of all time. <laughs> Brian, give me something that you've learned. What have you... Figured out that maybe you didn't believe at the beginning of the season or didn't know about at the beginning of the season that you feel like I kind of understand what's happening here. So I, I'm trying to like actually like think of the thesis of this point or whatever. Um, but I, I you know, you'll help me work, workshop this a little bit, please. Um, but so basically, what <laughs> that so, let me just say, as if you don't have would, enough on your plate, would, yeah, yeah, that would assume that you don't. That we don't workshop everything on the right. podcast. Right. That we do have a, like- a four-hour production meeting before. So <laughs> this is all a facade, smoke and mirrors. Um, we've even rehearsed this part where we're talking. so meta we're talking about. Anyways, um, one of the it's things like that a I've- Joss Whedon show. Oh, wait. Yes. can't say Joss Whedon anymore. Cancel culture. Oh, did he? I can't even keep up with the, everyone getting canceled. I, now I'm, I'm, I'm worried about not knowing who – me seeming like – you know, a sympathizer because I don't know who gets canceled because I'm just not plugged in. Anyway, so I'm just, like it. I, and now I'm just, I'm against liking. Can I say creators of all kinds deserve to be, those books deserve to be canceled. Deserved. They were Why? like, they were like uh fringe. Like they, they were, they yeah, were no like the, give a shit about those Dr. Seuss books. Anyways. Just repaint the, that, I mean, repaint the thing. Can <laughs> I say something? Do you want to bring up a cancel culture? You want to get crazy? Let's get Did crazy. Did you ever read Lord of the Rings? Uh, you know, like a real, like a true indoor kid. I did at like age, you know, 10 or between 10 and 10 and 12. Yeah. It's very slowly over the course of like two years. Yeah. I mean, love Tolkien's work, but he talked about like, those are, those are dry books. That's a dry read right there. Like they talked about a, a, a race of people from the South who rode on elephants and had dark skin. And you're like, Jesus Christ, come on. No parallels. I've never, I've never heard. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, like, so this is all that we should we should all should rip these things out and just make them better. Yeah. Oh, okay. Anyway, so sorry. That's um. So, so while we're ripping, the part. while we're ripping yeah. things out, let's yeah. workshop yeah. this. So this is really it's truly vague at this point, but and it's more about like macro kind of trends. <laughs> Again, getting getting d- just layers of stupidity on this. But yeah. um, so currently the Nets are tenth in terms of points in the paint in the NBA. Um, in previous years under Kenny Atkinson, they would range, they were always in like the top four or five. Um, always like that was like a big part of their identity was this, like they were the drivingest team in basketball for many years. Um, 
And as I look through the, uh, the like entirety of the league here, there's actually this really weird sort of bell curve to wins and um, uh, this kind of uh, or po- and points in the paint. So like, let me just go through the numbers. So the points in the paintiest team is Memphis, right? Uh, the least points in the paintiest team is Portland, um, which I guess checks out, right? You can see this. We're still, gr- we're still the grind house in, in Memphis um, grind fathering, right? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> sorry, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm looking at something else, but yes, I'm listening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, and then right in the middle of the curve is you know from six through twelve, we have Lakers, Denver, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly. Um, you know all the good teams who are like championship contenders. Um, <clears throat> part of what I'm thinking is like, is that, and this is not necessarily just a Nets thing. This is kind of a basketball thing, but like, is the best. Uh, version of a team where you're like in the top third uh, quadrant of of drives with the ability to space. Um, and do we want to be a driving or team uh, in general? Because we, you know, we still do. We, I mean, I view us as like a perimeter heavy team, but like, you know, we do rank 10th at points in the paint. I was kind of surprised to hear that. And I'm going to assume like if there was like a, a logarithmic where it accounted for time, that that would be very recent that that's happened because of all the Bruce Brown action and Nick Claxton and all that. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I wouldn't change a single thing on offense, right? It's like, it's really clicking. It is. Yeah, it is, it, we are in the sweet spot here. I mean, not. I don't want to move too quickly on my point, but I'll kind of sub my point into this. I mean, my, mine's not even a point. It's like an observation. It's like a stupid observation. So my little point, which is actually a big point, is that like Steve Nash is a gifted coach, and I say that wow. two wow. things. Doesn't he deserve? credit not saying that Kyrie and Kevin Durant and James Harden they of course they are the players that are all sacrificing and they're coexisting on the court and doing a beautiful job of it but like Steve Nash deserves an amazing amount of credit for making this work because we've seen so many times in the history of the NBA you know a lot of ball handlers get on a team and it becomes like an absolute mess and these guys of course Two of them are champions, and one of them wants to win a championship extremely badly. Um, you know, they're they're all sacrificing. They're doing the thing that they want to do. But think about if we had like a Lionel Hollins type coach, what how different this situation would be, you know? And I also think about like a Lionel Hollins type coach if we were navigating that what happened to Kyrie when he had his sabbatical earlier this year. Like Nash is both gifted and this is why Mark's hired him, in the personal and in the playbook, Brian. Um, Nash definitely handled whatever happened with Kyrie and didn't didn't seemingly step on any toes, didn't make Kyrie more upset uh, and make him spiral out and into a bigger place, um, and has maintained a pretty nice locker room vibe from what we can tell on the court. And he deserves credit for... In yeah, for having Kevin Durant come back from injury, Kyrie come back from injury too, then play great together. They trade half their team to get James Harden. Uh, they all play great together, and then Kevin Durant leaves for t- now will be a month for his hamstring injury, and the Nets continue to be putting up numbs and winning games. That that the coach deserves credit. Steve Nash, gifted coach. Mm-hmm. I learned that. That's a new <clears throat> thing I learned. Are you, you in for mine? Yeah, please help me. Yeah. Um, 
This is this is going to be my most bombastic take of of the year. Um, but I did want to I did want to sort of like plant a, an early flag in the ground and, and say like one of the things that I learned is like this is the year. This is the year of of the Magic Championship kind of you know narrative. This is it. Like we're kind of living in it. Like you know everything is you, when you build the super team. There's this like sort of initial moment where you can either you know decide that it's it's super working or it's super isn't there's enough evidence right now i think for everyone to suggest that this is very much working and it's continuing to get better um the the way that i'm sort of preparing my my mind state going forward is like remember things build memories here because this is it this is this is the championship run you know it doesn't it's not going to get a whole lot better than this you know at any point Going forward, these are, you know, we have the super team, uh, you know, that right, that's super, you know, hot and cool. And, you know, everyone's talking about us like these are these are the years. So um, I'm trying to be very present, Mike. That's that's something that I'm really trying to focus on present for these games, really kind of take them in, despite the fact that we're all in our own little cubicles, you know, scattered across the city <laughs> and the world or whatever. Trying as best as we can to be very present, you know, because this is what I've learned. It's this is the year. This is the year of the magical run. And this is and this being the magical year is important because if all goes well and the Nets win the championship, the regular season won't be as much fun as this regular season because never again. Never again. It'll just be will the Nets win again? It's literally this, down from yeah. here. Up at, like it's gonna crest at the championship and then it's down. You know, you're just expecting to win it again. Or if they don't win the championship, <laughs> it becomes Sure. Are they going to win the championship? Like, like, are, yeah. like, is are, can they do it? I mean, they just made the super totally. team. Can they? Yeah. So this is just enjoy this. Like that. This is, is the thing to the know. window of magic, right? We're like currently <laughs> in the vortex. What is it? The witch, witch the hex? You were talking. Like we yeah. talked about it. It's the glory. The hole. witch hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what was the witch thing? What, what did she call it? The scarlet. The hex. The hex. The hex. Mega hex. Just a hex. Do you but know? She me- has chaos <clears throat> magic, Brian. Big, That's big a- recommend Mega Hex. Um, it's a graphic novel. Um, it's like a comedy. It's like, it's funny. You'll like it. Sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll get right on that, Brian. Um, Top of the to-dos. Um, I, I'll give you one more. What? You got three? I'll give you one more. What the hell? This is, I don't, and actually just coming off the high that we just had. Um, Jesus. What are, you about to, what, are you, what are you about to do? <laughs> Are you sure? I think we should be a little bit worried about Kevin Durant. Oh, Jesus! We don't talk. About, we don't talk about this enough. You know, we don't talk about Steve Nash being as good of a coach. I don't know. The guys play nineteen of thirty-seven games. Just when he's hamstring, Brian. I started to feel. I have a canker sore in my mouth. I started to feel it when he started to talk. I just, I just felt it. It gave me a pang. <laughs> I also get canker sore. So I- <laughs> okay. The hamstring injury will have kept him out a month. And and I have a conspiracy theory that he just didn't want to play in the, the All-Star game. So he has decided to continue to sit out the season and will come back perfectly strong to start. But the guy's gonna has been out a month for a hamstring injury. We should all be a little bit cautious. If he had if he didn't have that Achilles injury that he had had now, what, two seasons ago. The Nets wouldn't be doing this. They wouldn't be as cautious. But I'll say this. I like that the Nets are being this cautious. Like I like, one, that they're, of course, in the position that they're in, that they don't have to, you know, rush Kevin Durant back. And I like that the Nets are being like, let's just, Kevin, even if you're healthy after one week, 
you're just going to keep sitting and you're just going to rest. And that's what you're going to do. I like that the Nets are doing this, but we maybe should be a little bit worried because a month for being out of this injury, I know that there was like a new imaging scan and that's what everything changed everything. Just be a little cautious. We should all just be a little like aware of when Kevin Durant comes back. That was the most smeltiest shit I've ever seen. I swear. (laughs) I swear. Coming off the high of magical championship runs. Now now look at you guzzling back your Miller Lite. Like so pleased with yourself. (laughs) Just Um, just kidding. What did you think of the Golden Globe? (laughs) I did not watch. I didn't watch. Oh, Oh, shame. I've just been watching The the Sopranos again. That's all I've been doing. And thinking about regret. Thinking about those regret pies. Yeah. Um, The NBA All Star Draft has happened. Kevin Durant's team has been picked. Kyrie Irving, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum. The last pick in the draft, Rudy Gobert. Yeah. No one likes Rudy Gobert. Do you remember when people were like, "Let's get Rudy Gobert instead of James Harden"? Do you want to? Let's get those people on the pod next time and and like (laughs) like like dump like raw eggs on their heads or something. It's still like <laughs> I'm the, just the Jazz were the best team in the NBA. <laughs> were for like yeah. a, a pretty good stretch, and probably still technically are. You ever watch uh, CKY? Those like CKY movies where they antique people. They like hit them with the uh, like baking powder or whatever in the face. Yeah. We should yeah. do that. We'll get them on the pod. and We'll do that too. Yeah, that, that's good podcasting material. Hitting people <laughs> in the face. Yeah, yeah, good visual podcast material. Um, the, as we're speaking right now, the wizards are about to beat the Clippers. I feel like the Clippers are on this little run of, but how about the Wiz? This will be three in a row. The Wiz, your Wiz are kind of on a run too, Mike. They absolutely are. Um, Brian, thank you so much for being here. Mike, I had a blast. Um, let's do it again soon. Okay. Um, we will talk soon. We will not review the playoff or the all-star game, but we'll talk so much more about the Nets. It's an exciting time. Trade deadline is coming up. We're anti-all-star like, on this podcast. Do you realize that? Yeah, and I feel comfortable to be in that place. To not I was that, to but I was that way like, you know, 10 years ago I was, I was anti. It's it's uh, Uncanny Valley basketball. That's what I don't like about it. Just like it makes me feel sad. It's like sad basketball. <laughs> you know, it just feels like a Sunday, like I should be doing something more productive, you know, but here I am. But it's a weird thing. I keep kind of always turning it on. Like it every time there is an All-Star game, I end up turning it on for a little bit to get a taste of it. And I don't – I know last year, I don't know if you remember, people really did like it. Um, by the way, J.J. Redick, his name is Jonathan Clay Redick. So he shouldn't be named J.J. <clears throat> well, you know why I have actually learned why they call him J.J. Was that? He has twin sisters and they both call – they would call him J. And so it would, you know how you know how freakish twins are. They'll like echo each other and stuff. So he used to kind of like JJ, JJ, freaks. Just kidding. I, I shouldn't joke about that. I'll, you know, <laughs> you got love twins. Well, on that note, love twins. <laughs> you know, like you know, like the commercial. Jesus. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough. It's nine thirty on the East Coast Thursday, March fourth, and this and, is the podcast and. Tween. <laughs> All right, let's get out of here, Mike. What is that from? Is that Budweiser? <laughs> it's, yeah. Or Coors Light? Uh, love. You know the one. Yeah. Um, God bless you, bro. God bless. <laughs> I look Brilliant. like, a, like a, a sweaty, I'll say I'm Jewish, a sweaty Jewish mess right now. My hair, I haven't yeah. cut my hair in many, many months. The angle of the computer. I like it. The people who have stuck it out this long, this is a great lingering goodbye, you know? 
<laughs> Big shout out to you guys. We got a special promo. So what's the promo for these guys? Stuck it out. Can I say one more thing? Please. We're here. We're gonna have to plan to be at Barclays for the NBA Finals, aren't we? Like, oh, of course. Oh, we gotta do. We gotta be balling heavily for our, all of that. Even if we can't get tickets, we gotta do. We gotta do something. So yeah, I mean, oh, join the Discord to talk about it. Bio, uh, tw- it's in the Twitter bio. Invitations in the Twitter bio. Mike, yeah, you're in you the Discord. The, yeah. I was in the Discord to tell Brian the guests that we were gonna get didn't come through. Yeah, I was really excited for it. We still may get him, so I don't want to ruin it too much. But if you go in the Discord, you can find out who I'm talking about, which oh, is a benefit to going in the Discord. But um, I've always wanted to do a podcast in right when people come out of the the subway stop right before at at Barclays, you know, right where there's the big loopy thing uh, right after the subway stop. I've always wanted to do one there. You've never wanted to do it. If the Nets make the NBA Finals, we will set up a table and just do it out there in the elements. You know, you know what I would want to do instead of actually us talking, I want to go out there with a, like a, you know, a recorder and go and just like bring third people in like one after the other, just like randos, you know, and just make it a whole, like that kind of thing. Cause the whole, where it's like a whole, a live audience that that's too much for me. That's, that's a lot of pressure and just watching us talk. I don't know. That doesn't do it for me. We're going to bring you know, bring in the randos from off the, you know, the guy, like he doesn't even have to be going to the game. They could just be getting off to, you know, go to Patsy's or whatever. <laughs> Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to do it. Uh, exciting year. Thank you all for listening. Go to iTunes. Five stars we need. We want to have them. Theathletic.com slash glue guys. Get yourself $4 a month behind that paywall. Wow. Hey, um, Love that. You, you, st- you stuck in a little read for the, for the, <laughs> for the last, <laughs> last bit. Mike, we don't want to uh, leave the show, do we? We can't get off. But we um, have to. What's the best thing on TV besides the Sopranos you've seen? This is fun. Let's just keep, this is like, you know, if they drop off, they drop off, you know, we're still, <laughs> we're still making it go. Um, I watched a little search party. You ever watched that? No. It's I've really it. good. It's really funny. I, I'm, I was, you know, I, I didn't think I would like it as much as I do. Quite good. Very funny. Big recommend. HBO Max has been kind of crushing it. That's where I, HBO I, Max is pretty great. That's where I've been going. They've fantastic movies. Like the, like the sweet spot of like eighties, nineties, dramas and comedies and, and at the same yeah. time i feel like every time i turn on the netflix <clears throat> i'm like i'm getting a whole bunch of shit i don't want i'm gonna get paramount paramount plus your money I'm a you're, dad gonna, you're gonna and, fork and, over and, some skrilla and, and they have pa- pa- paul patrol there it is which everyone on the show loves when i talk about paul patrol yeah um so they, but, they really got you by the balls there you gotta do it mm-hmm. by the pause well on that note great show thanks for listening You've been watching a lot of Paw Patrol. What have you been watching? <laughs> all, right, all right. All right. Should watch a little.